tell you a difficult story this morning. This story is difficult because it's complicated and unpleasant. It is a story that challenges some of my assumptions, and it's a story that's not very PC. One of the earliest and most successful revolts of black slaves took place on the island of St. John, which is the smallest of what are now the three U.S. Virgin Islands in the Caribbean Sea. The island was colonized originally by the Danish and held several sugar plantations, which were worked by several hundred enslaved people brought there from the continent of Africa. In 1733, a small group of these slaves revolted. They killed the French and Danish plantation owners and their families and took hold of the island. This group of around 120 people, all of whom were from one particular nation, the Aquamu, held the island for six months until French troops were brought in to overwhelm them and take it back. Now, the Aquamu Nation was one of the primary exporters of slaves from the Gold Coast in the late 1660s and early 1700s. Their king chose to enslave his people for profit. And he did that on the pretext of debt, just as the king in our gospel parable threatens to do to his subject. The choice on the part of this king caused the Aquamu Nation to fall into civil war. The king was defeated and killed and his family and court was sold into slavery themselves. They were the people who revolted on St. John, these formerly royal Aquamu people. And they revolted not because they wanted to free all the slaves on the island, but because they wanted to rule the slaves on the island. They didn't do it because they believed no human beings should be owned by other human beings, but because they believed they were the human beings who should own other human beings. Now, history has told us a lot of stories about this minor revolt, and many historians, most of them white, have wondered, without really knowing, why only some of the slaves participated in the revolt. After all, if they had all resisted together, it might have worked. I learned this story from a book by a historian and scholar named Sadia Hartman. Her book is called Lose Your Mother, and it's about her return to Ghana and her visit to the slave port where thousands of people, including the Aquamu royalty who rebelled on St. John, were shipped away from home. Hartman describes these rebels as longing to recreate the world they lost, a world where they were on top, where they were the royalty and slave owners. Being enslaved is deeply traumatic for any human being, and no less so for these. But the only freedom they could imagine was one that looked back. They tried to become their captors, instead of imagining a world where there were no humans that pretended other people could be enslaved. The other slaves didn't join them because to them, this was just a new regime, not a new freedom. Hartman says, this failure to establish a language of solidarity doomed the rebellion. 
In this morning's gospel, Peter asks Jesus how many times he needs to forgive another member of the church. And Peter's very generous. He offers seven times. As many as seven. Seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. And Jesus counters with what our translation calls 77 times, but is more likely meant to be translated 70 times seven times. And then he tells us this parable, which, like the story of the revolt on St. John Island, is disturbing and complicated. I hope it bothered you. Did anyone Was anyone bothered by the parable? It's not very PC, is it? In our parable, a slave owes a debt to the king. Now, this is not chattel slavery, like the people who were trapped and exploited on St. John Island. Slavery was different in the Roman Empire. Slaves could own property and possessions and have spouses and children. But this slave owes his king a debt he cannot pay. And he stands to be sold away with all, his, all that he values. And the king makes this startling, imaginative choice. The king forgives the debt. The king sees the slave who owes him money and decides that the future thriving of this human being is more important than the past where this human being incurred a debt. And then there is this moment in the story where there is an opportunity to imagine a future where nobody owes a debt. This slave has the opportunity to imagine this because he is free and he is forgiven. And despite this moment of grace, the slave cannot imagine freedom for everyone. He cannot imagine a future that is different from what he has always known. And the end result of his failure of imagination, his failure to extend the forgiveness he received, is that he's caught forever in the doomed system of slavery and debt that he had for a moment a glimpse of freedom from. I think it is so interesting that we are given a negative example in this parable. Both of these stories, both the story of the slaves on St. John Island and this slave in the parable, when we listen to them, we know what should have happened. The slaves should have freed everyone on the island. This slave should have forgiven his peer the debt. And I think there's this self-righteous thing that can rise up inside of us because we know the answer. We know what should have happened. But friends, it is so difficult to imagine something new. When I think about our lives right now, when I think about the systems of slavery and oppression that have become so visible in our nation, we walk outside in the summertime and smell smoke. We haven't had as much of that, what, like a week this year? Which is evidence of debts we haven't paid to our earth. It is hard for me to imagine a future where everyone is free. It is so much easier to just do what we know 
to try to go back, to pretend like there was something better back there in the past. I think this is why Jesus says what he does. He says, forgive so many times. Forgive over and over. Make it a practice of your life. Forgiveness in this context is not saying it's okay for other people to hurt us. It's not letting bad people off the hook. Forgiveness in the context of Christian faith is an act of imagination. It is trusting that we can imagine a future that is not controlled by the past. And it is the belief that every time we choose to forgive, a new beginning is possible. Every time we choose to forgive, a new beginning is possible. I think we need a new beginning. We need a new beginning in our relationship with our planet. We need a new beginning in our relationship with vulnerable human beings who are even now dehumanized and degraded by our systems of power. And we need a new beginning in how we imagine our relationships with each other. I think this community of faith, St. James and Kent Washington, needs a new beginning in imagining your future together here as the body of Christ on the East Hill of Kent. Jesus tells us this morning how, how to do that, how to start doing that. It's by forgiving. It is by letting go of what is owed to us so we can imagine a future that is different than the past. It is by noticing our own impulses to recreate the damage that has been done to us in the past and to let that go and live as children of God instead. So this morning, I want to ask, what what will it take for us to start acting with imagination? How can we offer to our world the forgiveness that God has offered to us? Because, friends, in the eyes of our Creator, we are whole, we are beloved, and we are worthy of full and free human life. If we live this way, we can be agents of forgiveness. We can be creative imagineers in our world, practicing forgiveness with each other and practicing new beginnings. This is sacred, difficult, holy work. This work of imagining forgiveness, it will save us and help us be part of God's salvation for this world. So let's forgive over and over from our hearts. Let's imagine something new.